I just couldn't continue living my life as male anymore. And I, I had to go forward with my transition. I had to really find that courage. And it was hard to find that courage. But I, I also realized I hit a point of no return. This is the Transparency Podcast Show with hosts Shelby Chang and Michelle Herman from Long Beach, California, where we bring you life transformation stories, business, investment, personal development, entertainment, and more. Welcome back to Transparency Podcast Show. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi, Shelby. Um, I'm going to introduce you a friend of mine. Um, Her name is Tani. And I know her about almost 10 years ago. Nice. And when I met her, she just started kind of exploring herself um, in, in, in uh, Mary's, Hamburger Mary's, Hamburger Mary's go, yeah. in Long Beach. And um, so I technically see, see her from, from beginning to now. So it's very incredible journey and I'm very proud of her. So yes. today we're going to have her come come on the show and share her experience and her stories. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Hi, Tani. Hi, Shelby. Hi, Tani. It's uh, great to meet you. Great to meet both of you. Well, I've known, like yeah. Shelby said, <laughs> I've known Shelby for a while and yes. she's an awesome friend. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, and I've seen you online for years. But it's one of those things how, you know, we see each other, but we always don't connect in person or directly. But, uh, you know, it's part of the our overall community. So, so it's great to see you kind of in person. <laughs> well, isn't it nice to connect after you kind of know the Facebook person? Yes, and exactly. We actually, yeah. And we connect like, oh, my gosh, there's a real person there. Exactly wow. right. Yes. Yes. I think we often kind of watch each other's journey and pick things that apply to us and what would work for us, what wouldn't work for us. But sometimes we don't get, or a lot of times we don't get that opportunity to meet face to face. So that's one mm-hmm. thing I like about doing this podcast. So yeah. Thanks for inviting me to do this. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, Tani, we're going to start off um, learning your journey from the very beginning. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, tell, tell us about how, how you, you know, feeling your difference and and how do you discover your true self? Wow. Okay. So I'm, I was, I'm not going to, I'll just say you can figure it out. I'm 62 years old. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And so maybe I came, I came from that generation where, you know, when I grew up, there was no internet, there was no nothing, there's no nothing available information wise about people like us. And so I think that I lived a life where I always felt this difference. I always experienced it from a young age, but our reality was so different than that. You And I ended up living a life trying to mold myself into what I thought I should be. Exactly. You know, based, based on other people's expectations, yep. family background, my upbringing, all that kind of stuff. And so I did not come to terms or did not, shall we say, leave the closet until I was in my early 50s. And I would say that in that time period, I did, you know, I worked in information technology since the early 80s, since 1980, believe it or not. And so because of that, you know, I could see people express themselves in community, you know, through all the incantations, you know, before there's Facebook, there's message boards. Oh, God, what was the other... Anyway, I don't want to go through that history, but the long 
the long story short is I used to live vicariously through others. Yeah. I used to look at other trans people yes. on, you know, you know, on the internet, on social, and and I used to do it from the most intense re- relief from my own dysphoria. Yeah. But yet at the same time, being closeted for all those years, being closeted for so long, it that, that took an enormous toll on me. You know, I think on the other hand, to finally get that courage to take those step, those first steps out of the closet, which is in this club scene that we, we mutually experienced, right. was that was like, oh my gosh, that was the most unbelievable experience ever. Because wow. it's like, you know, there's like this need. It, it, it's kind of like the need to me was almost like, you know, a, a pitcher of water in a parched desert. All yeah. of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh. And for me to realize, I, I, you know, I think I, I was married for over 20 years, 24 mm-hmm. years. And when I first came out to these, you know, these trans clubs and trans events, it was like the emotions were overwhelming, you know, and first to present as myself mm-hmm. and even to learn, like, even where I lived in, you know, I lived in a community in Los Angeles, Torrance, which by its nature was kind of a little bit more conservative bedroom community. Right. So all of a sudden to find out like, Oh my God, there's people next door to me. Like me. I just, I, I, I just couldn't even. Yeah, I, it was. So I think it was just almost um, in terms of my senses to go to a club and freely express myself. And yes, with a lot of drinks. Was, <laughs> oh my God. That was powerful. It was thankfully we had that venue to express ourselves. Yes, you know, um, I started with with that club too, and I actually found the club by accident. Someone took me there, and then once I kind of like your your situation, once I walk in, I just feel oh, this, I belong here yeah. <laughs> somehow. I don't know why people like me. Yeah, so that's why. Um, yeah, because Michelle just came out about two years ago. Yeah, just over two years. Yeah, at so age fifty-two. She, yes, and she she's kind of the, the, the newer gen, I'll call it newer generation yeah. transition girls. They don't actually have to go to those clubs. Yes, they I just, never did. Yeah, I I found I, 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 I we interviewed some. They are just recently came out, yeah. and they mm-hmm. just you know transition and then headed to the. Blend into the society. I will right say, away. <laughs> I've driven by Hamburger Mary's very slow a lot pre-transition, okay. um, but I never went in, and I never. I, I basically watched you guys online because I think <laughs> in the '80s is when I, you know, the advent of the internet and you know, able to have our own computers, and then watching other stories for those years, I think really saved my life because it gave me hope, even mm-hmm. though I never thought I would transition based on my my family, my career, my religious upbringing. Um, but I was able to see that and see that as actually possible, which helped me sustain and not end up unal- right. unaliving myself. Yeah. Yeah. A very similar experience, maybe just a little bit different vehicle. Um, right. So, but, you know, in, in, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was going to ask you, because you, you mentioned about when you came out, you were still in a marriage. Uh, can yes. you share that experience? Because um, you say similarity, um, Michelle might might be able yes. to reflect. Sounds to like your, we might have yeah. a lot in common with yeah, this. Yeah, on that part. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's okay. So, like, like I said, I was married for 24 years before I really got the courage to leave the closet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think, it, how did I do it? You know, my, my wife at the time, who is now my ex, um, at the time, she was out of town for three or four weeks. And that's like, oh boy, I'm going yes. to try this out. Yes. I'm taking this for a test ride. And then, and then all my friends and um, some of, many of them, you know, Shelby knows. But there was one lady who really encouraged me to leave the closet, who I'm ever forever indebted to her. It was at the Emmy, who you know Emmy. Wow. And I think she said something to me when I was just closeted online exploring myself and it never left me. She's like, you know, you know, what's going to be, you know, what are you waiting for? And what's going to be your excuse next month? And it's like, Oh my God. So my, my wife was out of town at the time. And I took the opportunity to, you know, engage a makeup artist, help with clothing, present, do the whole event, come back home. And, you know, I think the way once you do, and act like that, you present in public for the first time with the gender to which you identify or that you're figuring out, that is truly an irrevocable act. I didn't yeah. understand it at the time. Right. With, in terms of my relationship with my marriage is I, when my wife at the time returned back from, you know, being out of town, I got up that courage to express to her me at the time and at the time i was just saying oh i'm just more of a cross-dresser i need to do this on the weekends yeah yeah and i would say it's kind of for us i desperately wanted to stay together with her Mm -hmm. i mean i really 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 wanted to make it work you know because i was very invested in the marriage well so yeah and so was she in all honesty but at a certain point it's kind of like I left the closet in a way. And my wife at the time, she kind of went into the closet about me. Mm-hmm. And she, and so she started suffering a lot. And she started getting, having psychosomatic issues oh, and stress wow. issues because of me. And so it was, it was so intense. At some point, she'll be, uh, or to both of you, at some point, um, I think my own well-being started uh, declining rapidly. And um, it really, well, I can talk about this. It's a hard topic. My my well-being started, you know, I started becoming so unhealthy because I was experiencing this difference between male and female yes, in my brain or what we would call gender dysphoria. I was experiencing it to such an extreme and such profound levels of attack, of panic attack and dysphoria attack, yes. that at, and at the end of 2015, I, I became suicidal. You know, I became, you know, wanting, I had a moment where I literally wanted to act on it. Like yes. I made a plan. I wow. started to execute and like to do it, wow. which is like inconceivable. But thankfully, we can call it whatever you want to call it, divine intervention, yes, right. that I didn't really want to do it. It's a cry for help. You could, yes. you could use all these things. Exactly. And thankfully, I had the right people in my life. And thankfully, I was working with a therapist at the time. Okay. Um, I, you know, 
I took a pause. I didn't follow through with it. But the severity of the attacks made me realize that um, I, I just couldn't continue living my life as male anymore. And I, I had to go forward with my transition. I had to really find that courage. And it was hard to find that courage. But I, I also realized I hit a point of no return. Yeah. And the point that I would hit that point so severely, um, on the one hand, I mean, I don't want to see us go through, I don't want to see people like us have to go through what I went through. But on the other hand, as I got better and better, it became a gift because it made me understand that there's only one way forward and that's to be myself. And I could not go backwards. I couldn't go back to who I was. I couldn't go back to a life as that dude, as it were. And then then as I went forward, really, I made the decision to start the hormone of, you know, hormonal replacement therapy, HMT. And then about six months later, you know, you start that, you slowly ramp up to it. And then it ramps up into, you know, the a very full dosage, which creates the transition. Yes. Once I made that decision, is when my my wife at the time said, "I want a divorce." And I, 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 you know, I don't. And oh no, <laughs> no. It, I would say, you know, and, and as a point of personal honesty, I think before all of this and before me coming to terms with myself, I kind of my marriage actually from my point of view and from how I dealt with it, I can't speak for her, but for me, it kind of became my codependent validation. Mm. Like I'm okay as a dude, because look at me, I got right. a good marriage, a beautiful wife, a house, a blah, 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 blah. And yeah. at a certain point that no longer had relevance, yeah. but in compassion towards her, she, you know, she married a guy. She didn't right. marry. Exactly. Right. You know, but us going through, us detaching from all of that, um, that was really hard. Yeah. It was mutually hard. It's hard maybe that maybe, you you know, the insecurity and the vulnerability is extremely high for me. So it's hard to share that with friends, yeah. even in community or maybe a few, because it's like, it's just, it requires a lot of capacity to go with it. And maybe at that moment in my life, I didn't have the capacity. I was just like, oh my God, female hormones, WTF, do I do with this? And then it's like, oh, I'm getting divorced. What do I do with this? And it's like, oh my gosh, my job just laid me off. Wow. What do I do with this? You know, this is a lot. This is a lot to deal with. How do I I deal with this? You know? So So that's, I, thank Go you ahead. for sharing. I, and I think it is it is important to capture the beauty out of our journey, even in the difficult parts, and maybe even especially in the difficult things. What was the, the sense of hope that you had that got you from the point of not going through with unaliving yourself, walking through the trauma of, you know, breaking up with a really good partner, walking through the trauma of coming out into a world that was not ready for you at that time, um, still. <laughs> um, how, what was the sense of hope that got you through? I mean, the sense of hope is seeing many of my sisters so far down, or many trans kind, meeting so many trans kind, and just, number one, seeing that it was possible. Because at that point, it's just like, I don't know 
if I can do it. Right. You know, I don't know if I can do it, but I have to do it. So that gave me hope. Yeah. Second, the other thing that gave me hope is, yes, I was every week quite religiously seeing a, a gender therapist. And it kind of helped keep me on my on my path. Okay. And third, during this process, I started to develop some, I, I would call them like trusted friendships. Yeah. That those were the friends that I had that I could be vulnerable with. Okay. And so... It's kind of a mixture of all those things. We need support. We need to advance our cause. We need to heal, you know? And then we need that camaraderie camaraderie together. And sometimes, you know, what, what we do have to realize about the camaraderie, all of us have our really difficult stuff. We all have our, yeah, our trauma, yeah. our different... And so sometimes, for me, the hardest thing was understanding that as I went through the community, and I'm at a very raw point in my transition, that understanding, oh, by the way, though my bigger sisters are further along than I, they have their issues as well. I'm just more seeing it as like this, you know, gold standard, like, oh my God, they're living full time, and they've had their surgeries, and that's what I want to do. And yeah. I don't have it. And how am I going to do it? Right. But, but I, I think through all this time, I developed some very close friends and those friendships ended up being really key. That's what really gave me the hope awesome. because, because giving that hope is just knowing I had a home with the right people. We call them our, you know, our adopted or extended, whatever you want Shows to call it. Family. They did. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But it plays a very important part. And I think it was told, there's no way I could do it without it. So I think in a way, we're all kind of standing on each other's shoulders or propping each other up or falling backwards and going forward, you know? Exactly. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I want to mention one thing because me and Tonic became so close. What What she just mentioned is support. And everyone has their own uh, traumas or depressions. So when I was in my depression, um, she was the only one um, came to my room at the time and knock on my door. Mm. Yes. So I I, I was very good. Cool. At that time, I feel so embarrassed of myself, yeah. Yeah. ashamed, and I I actually pushed her out. I said, I don't want to see anybody right now. Mm. But because of that, we built up a very strong friendship. Yeah. And when she said she can share vulnerable, that's why we're still yes. you know, doing it after exactly. all this, these years. Yes. Yeah. So um, so, so I'm very, you know, appreciate you so doing cute. that. Um, so, you know, give, give me hope at the same time. Too. Yes, that was yeah. part of your hope. Yeah, yeah, that's part of my hope because yeah. I, I couldn't see how, at that time, I couldn't see how I'm going to take myself out of that. Right that um, depression. Yes, exactly. Maybe we could pause here and just say, if you are in a place where you're thinking that you can't move forward, that you're stuck, there's no one exactly like you, um, you don't know what to do, there are people available. In the show notes, especially on YouTube, we'll put up all the the hotline numbers to call, but also reach out to any of us, reach out to anyone in the community. Um, I don't know that everybody would respond, but I think many will. And so please know that it can get better 
know that there are people like you that have gone through things. It may not be exactly the same, but some of the, the fundamentals are the same. And as we've been able to be there for each other, we want to continue to do that and, and expand our community because the outside world is not going to really support us. So we have to support ourselves. And so um, reach out to someone, look for a therapist, look for a friend in your area, or just jump online with any of us and don't give up hope.